I, uh... Something's not adding up, though. I am sweating. Man, when it hits. Yeah, I don't know. What's up, guys? My name is Andre Jick, and I am joined here today with my lovely co-host, Jen Kramer, and our very special guest today, Sean Cannell. This is going to be epic. Sean, welcome to the show inside of sauna. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. As the sauna heats up, it's going to get hotter. We're going to start at level one, and by level five, it's going to feel like over 500 degrees on your body. I'm excited. You're going to make it. I, I hope. You. you got this. Sean said he's fired up right before we started recording. Yes. Perfect words he's to ready. use for he's this. Ready. Quite literally. Plus, Sean wins the fashion award. Most stylish in the is, sauna. Is this all right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I love it. He's like if Jen and I used polymerization Yu-Gi-Oh style, and now he's like the hybrid of both of us. Like three well, people uh, understood that reference, I know, but it's okay. Sean, for everyone who doesn't know what it is you do, please tell the world what it is you do. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much for having me, and I am uh, very excited. Yeah, I um, I help people grow their YouTube channels. You know, I started doing tech reviews. My background's in video. Started doing video production for a local church in 2003, and so by 2009, I started a video production business, and then I started to review cameras and do camera tutorials, and fast forward to today, now it's a team of over 20 two people i think w2 employees and 22 yeah and, Jeez. and just on a mission to help people figure out their cameras figure out lighting figure out tech and then also figure out youtube strategy how to get views and uh, wrote a book called youtube secrets and it's been a wild journey so yeah. definitely want to dive into some of those youtube secrets that viewers can apply if they want to grow their own youtube channels but first when you said you have 20 w2 employees yeah what was the process like of getting to that point? Did you start working by yourself and then gradually develop a team? 100%. So, I mean, I think, especially for this YouTube creator world, you start um, as a solo creator. And you it's very lonely, too. I mean, you have to motivate yourself when you're taking seven hours to edit a video and you get seven views. And it's super discouraging. Um, but over time, uh, I was doing it as a side hustle. I had other jobs. And then um, I started to get a, a little bit of money coming in. So then it was like a freelance video editor. It was like someone kind of volunteering or doing kind of like a low paid internship from uh, my church. And then it was eventually um, someone that joined the team named Heather, who we found on met on Twitter. And she kind of worked for free at first to help us grow. And, and brick by brick, we started to... Um, just kind of be a, for, for probably too long, I was just a social security number. I was just an EI. I, I didn't have a business. I was just a sole proprietor right. by default. No right. business structure, no, no LLC. No LLC. Yeah. I mean, actually well into like seven, 800 K a year. And so then we started to get a little more, uh, you know, my wife and I uh, are the 50, 50 owners of our company, Think Media. And we are small town kids, college dropouts. And what do we know about running a company? So even that, we were figuring out budget, HR, all that kind of stuff. So it was about 2019 that we finally became an S-Corp, finally started to just add one person at a time. People moved from contractors to actual employees. And um, it was just the grind of, of figuring out how to be a, a leader and actually move from creator to CEO. No, it's, it's so crazy. I'm so excited to talk to Sean because I remember in 2019, I want to say, you would actually host these meetups in person here in Vegas. And I remember coming to a couple of them. And at the time, I had maybe twenty to 30,000 subscribers. And you were mobbed by, I want to say, at least 50 people that are basically worshipping you. They're like, Sean, how did you do this? How? And you would give these amazing tips. And it was one of the coolest times in all these meetups. But uh, I would say you're one of the few creators who's found a perfect balance between being an entrepreneur and being a creator. And I feel like every successful entrepreneur I've ever met has always wanted to be a creator, right? Like they've reached this point in life where there's there's not much more that money is going to buy them, but being a creator and having an influence matters a lot more. And every successful creator I've met has always tried to leverage their influence to build some kind of business. So it's almost like the grass is always greener on the other side. And you found this, I want to say really good balance where you kind of exist in this middle space between the two. So... I think you said that in 2015, you had like 16,000 subscribers. Yes. And then you crossed over to your job where you replaced your full-time income in, 
at 20,000 subscribers. Yeah, so so the the story was in 2015, um, I was freelancing all year and I had transitioned out of actually being a pastor at a church and formerly a director of communications. Now I was three main clients. One was paying me 2,000 a month, one was paying me 2,000 a month and the other was paying me 1,000 a month. So we're making about 60K a year. We moved back to Vegas. We were in California for about a year and a half. And I'm trying to build YouTube up on the side, that online income, which is only already is maybe a hundred bucks in AdSense a month, $250 in affiliate marketing. And then I've got these clients and fast forward to October, 2015, the, I get a call from one of the clients that are like, Sean, we're actually hiring a full-time staff person. We got to let you go. So I was like, bummer, lost one of the $2,000 clients. No big deal though. We'll keep it moving. Second week phone call. Bring. Hey, Sean you're fired. Okay. And that was another $2,000 client. So now I'm like, okay, we're down to $1,000 client. And then the third week, you know, week after week, I got a call and I was like, you know, figures, this is the kind of month we're having. Wow. You don't even need and, and sure enough, they let me go as well. So all three freelance clients let me go. And I was doing like video production, video editing, and YouTube channel management for others while I was, you know, chipping away at our channels. And so, um, after the fourth week of, uh, ben and Jerry's and Netflix and sure. like, you know, uh, kind of being discouraged. I, I decided to go all in. I got some great advice from a mentor that was like, at some point in entrepreneurship, uh, you have to jump off the cliff. It sounds like God just kicked you off the cliff. It's your time to fly. That was my friend, David. And I was like, what are you a leprechaun? You know, like some kind of a weird <laughs> sure. like statement like that, you know? And so I, uh, uh, so I went all in and it really was true. Like I, I was holding to the security of that freelance income, but now I really had to fly and it happened pretty fast. Cause I knew exactly what to do. I no longer was splitting my focus between multiple other clients. I was only focused on the YouTube channel and I actually felt immediate freedom as a creator. It was like, I don't have a boss. I get to wake up every day. And those first couple of weeks, I was working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, but it was just shoot, script, edit, upload. And yeah, so 16,000 subscribers only got to 20, but was so intentional about the videos that I was making. And the main way of earning money was essentially tech reviews or tech tutorials and affiliate marketing. And between November and December, by January 2016, I earned something like $4,500 from the Amazon Associates program. So I had nearly replaced, and then AdSense made up the rest. So I had replaced all that freelance income, but this was now passive income. It wasn't just one video. These are now ranked videos, search-based videos that keep getting views. So then I kept adding to it, which was a nice lever because YouTube gets you, your past videos can still earn you money, especially if you're making more evergreen type content. And so then I just started to stack. And so as revenue built, then it was, you know, immediately start thinking about building a team and, and, uh, or how is this going to be sustainable? How did you decide what kind of content to create at the time? Cause I remember in 2015, not a lot of people were looking for content creation. I remember this cause I left my job in 2017 Yeah. and it was impossible to get a job interview here being a videographer. Nowadays you say you're a videographer, thousand companies want to hire you. Yeah. Um, what, what sort of, how did you come up with the video ideas back then? Were you... Was yeah, Google-based results? Or? Yeah, I mean, one of the key things that even in today's world where suggested traffic and really your style and Graham's style, of it, that's the biggest way to go viral and get major views. But there's a whole other form of traffic called search-based traffic, and that would be SEO, and it's kind of traditional. But the cool thing about SEO is while it's not as sexy as all of a sudden you get a 1 out of 10 video and it skyrockets, if it's a topic that is relevant this month, next month, and the month after – it can rank in Google, it can keep being found and views just keep coming in. So it's kind of like a tortoise in the hair, like slow and steady wins the race. It's not just, can I do my next viral hit? Can I just put constantly adding videos to my library that rank in search? So I was thoughtful about people were searching, what is the best camera for YouTube? But it would be like cheap it best, uh, you know, cheapest lighting kit or led lighting kit uh, versus videos was one of my, uh, best strategies. Oh, yeah. yep. Somebody be looking for like the, the Canon T3i. Yeah. Canon yeah. T3i okay. versus the Canon 60D. And so, um, and with my background in video production, that's kind of how I bootstrapped and hustled my way up as I was using cameras for wedding videos and things like that. And then I would, um, you know, post those and, uh, uh, use turn the tools I was using for my freelance business into actual videos. That's incredible. So let, let's talk about some of the income sources. Yes. Yeah. You ready? 
I'm ready. Well, let's Jen. do it. Right. I feel it's getting a little bit hotter. Like there was a moment there when I was like, "Well, wow, this is going to get interesting. Like it feels nice now, but this is what level out of five are we on right now? This is level one. This is level one. Okay. This is only level now one. Now to go to level two. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It's like YouTube. It's exponential growth. I'm excited. <laughs> I... I hope my uh, answers stay coherent. That really wafts up here. Oh, it's, it's just we're just getting started. Oh, great. But, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's squeegee time. That's right. <laughs> cool. Okay. Oh, oh yes. It takes a, a couple squeegees before it, like, unfogs. I gotcha. Yeah, the, the glass has to, like, adjust to the external that makes That makes absolute sense. So, yeah. Same way cameras operate when I film snowboarding. Really? Oh yeah, you go in for lunch and then you're done. Right? Like mm -hmm. yeah, your your camera lens is all fogged up. But it, you guys away. are you guys are absolute legends. What is it'll what a work what a workflow. <laughs> <laughs> this is its own video yeah. that we you know we should come over and make a video like seven tips for filming in a sauna. <laughs> to the three of yeah, to the three people, <laughs> to the three people in the world that are interested in that information. Well, actually, that itself brings me to a question I wanted to ask about TAM total addressable market. Yeah. I heard you talking about this yes. on another podcast and I thought it was something really interesting, especially for people who want to build their own YouTube channels, something for them to consider. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and why it's relevant in the context of YouTube? Yeah, I mean, that's a really important question for any aspiring creator, business owner, someone who wants to start a side hustle. The TAM would be a business and marketing term that stands for total addressable market. And it would just be kind of like asking yourself, like if you're going to open up a restaurant in a city or like a coffee shop, a good question would be, does anyone in this city actually drink coffee? So let's say you went to a, a, a smaller town in Utah that was maybe predominantly conservative Mormon population that doesn't drink coffee. That'd be the wrong place to open a, open a coffee shop. The total addressable market locally would be too small. Well, now apply that though to uh, something on YouTube. You might look at something and this is actually really good news for people that say, oh, there's too much competition. Oh, there's somebody else that is already doing it. Oh, Andre's already talking about personal finance. I can't as well. Well, the question would be, how many people in the world have and use money? Um, all of them. Everybody. So that's a big total addressable market. Whereas if you were to say, I'm going to start a YouTube channel on underwater basket weaving. Last time I checked, the monthly search volume of people looking for like tutorials on that is about 8,000 people. It's a much smaller total addressable there's market. A, there's actually a, a number on that. There is actual, yeah. 8,000. I mean, what a culture. <laughs> now here's the, the thing that's interesting is now you have a choice. Do I want to be a, a big fish in a small pond or a, a small fish in a big pond? Because you just are asking how big is the market? And, and it's good news again, like as a tech YouTuber and there's multiple, you know, spinoffs of that, but a good way to test would be how many other channels are doing what I want to do and how many subscribers do they have? If you can't find an, an underwater basket weaving channel with a million subscribers, chances are you will never get a million subscribers. Now, of course, there's the unicorn story of because you do underwater basket weaving ASMR, you know, while talking about Pokemon and people just think it's fascinating. Well, that's that's a little bit different. Right. But but in terms of like the practical. Now, the flip side is if you go, OK, MKBHD has 16 million or 25 million. I don't even know. Million subscribers. The practicality for upstart YouTube creators to, to grow a channel to 65,000 subscribers and build a 35 to $75,000 a year income is incredibly practical, more than people realize. Why? Because the total addressable market is so big. I go to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show here in Vegas, and 175,000 people fly into Vegas. There's so many, you go to the drone floor and I go, there's 48 drone companies here. It's not just DJI. So I could go more niche and and get enough runway with brand deals and whatnot. Why? Because there's a total addressable market. If the market is large enough to support and to sustain right. the thing that I want to create. So it's a good way to evaluate really the viability of a business idea, a channel idea, and to have some strategy when you're starting out. And as you were deciding what kind of content to make, did that play a big role in your decision to do tech content in addition to YouTube strategy? It did, but you know, we teach a framework, which is the three P's for figuring out what you should make your channel topic about. And it's at the intersection of passion, uh, proficiency and profit. And so total addressable market would not be the only question that would be like saying, 
uh, profit would be the only P you're using. How much money could I make here? How big could this channel be? But the question is, are you passionate about it? Number one, but also passion's not enough because if you're passionate about it and it's profitable, are you any but, good at but it? you're not good at it. Or you also, when I think proficiency, I think what makes you curious? What do you study? What, what, what are you so fascinated about that you're willing to read about study all week long? Like Andre does he's, I mean, I don't have the, I, I watch his videos for the summary of the 10 to 20 hours of research. Right. That is, that's, that's not just passion. It's also a discipline and oh, it's also passion. It's a love for so it's really at the intersection of all three. So yes, I might write down, okay, what am I passionate about? Well, I'm passionate about tech. I'm passionate about video. I am passionate about, I'm also passionate about like drum and bass. I'm passionate about snowboarding. And then I go to the proficiency one though. But then I go, could I mix music? Am I really that knowledgeable about it? Mm, you know, <laughs> snowboarding, I'm decent actually from doing it for so long, but like not great. But if I go, I've been doing video since 2003. And then I go over to the profit side and say, okay, is there, is there ways to make money in this affiliate marketing income streams as you, you know, is there, okay, is there a total addressable market here? Is it big enough now? This also goes into predicting for the future. Mm -hmm. Is this going to get bigger? And Adobe just released a study, 165 million people joined the creator economy since 2020. No kidding. 165 million. Th that's crazy. That's wow. It's not just YouTube, but that speaks to also now, even if I think about my market now as helping content creators, even that market right. is multiplying exponentially. So are you going into a market that's just going to get bigger? Um, you know, AI, metaverse, crypto, finance, like that's, that's going to keep getting bigger right. at versus if you were to go a, a typewriter channel, which by the way, if you were like the number one vintage typewriter collectible, you might be like the one, but obviously that is shrinking. You don't want to be blockbuster in a Netflix world. Sure. Well, you brought up MKBHD, which is a great example. And I feel like today, if I looked at myself and the overall sort of industry as it is, if another Andre Jit came around with magic, I don't think he would be as successful as if I had started when I did, which was in 2019. So I'm sure you get this question asked a lot from creators, uh, but Sean, there's so many people doing what I want to do. How do I stand out? And I think there is something to be said about being, you know, having first mover advantage and being at the right place at the right time when the industry calls for it, which I think is hugely YMKBHD besides the fact that he's really entertaining and he's great, does a lot of research, but it's also, he started when he was like 12. Yeah. So what do you say to people that are like, how do I stand out? What, what's, what's the way to separate from a already sort of filled industry well when when an industry is new it's about who's first but when an industry is mature it's about who's best so cream always rises to the top no matter how many cups of coffee you pour mm -hmm. we see this happen every day so new channels start from scratch uh, in fact larry uh is a chartered financial analyst larry chung he started a channel uh, he's got kind of a you know stocks dividends he just hit 100,000 subscribers. I want to say in less than a year. And, you know, like he's one of the students in our community. And he's, it's just an example of somebody where I, I would argue it is completely saturated. Right. And Stocks. his first 1,000 subscribers were in the first, was it nine days? Yeah. Like he, yeah, he grew, I think in the first six months. Oh yeah. No, he got a thousand subscribers in like a week. Right. And in the first six months he got like 50,000. And, and I mean, it speaks to though. What's also, it wasn't video production. It right. wasn't in this particular case. Now that also depends on what your value proposition is. I would argue like your storytelling, your video production, that's a whole part of it. Right. But for him, it's it's surely his experience, his, uh, his depth of knowledge. And for not everybody we help, but a large majority of who we help would be subject matter experts that are in the education niche. Right. The presupposition is that proficiency piece. They're passionate about it, they're proficient, and they're trying to figure out now how to put that on YouTube and monetize. And so... I, I, we also, another big one, real estate agents, loan officers, like in their niche markets, spoke at, you know, Ryan Pineda's event recently and had like three different people come up and like, I'm just, I'm so pumped. Like, thank you for your content. I've got like 800 subscribers, but I've got five deals mm. in my local market. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. So, so there's, it depends on, I, I think what can happen is we can become myopic thinking about, can there be another Andre? And the answer I would also say is yes, and maybe not to be so blunt, but if you're the, the, you know, the Pepsi or the Coke, you know, they're the Sam's club 
Right. But that can do well, too. Extremely. And and they, again, to that end where you're doing very well and having incredible growth, but they could do also incredibly well and be like, wow, I left my 80K a year job. Right. And, and, and you know, and then and find the niche within the niche. So I really believe that saturation is a myth. Right. No. But I don't want to overhype right. the dream right. to say, like, you got to do the work. You got to learn. You got to find there's a good book called positioning. You do need to find your unique position, your unique angle on the angle. And then you also just might outlast people. I've been on the YouTube world. I've been to like eight VidCons. You know, Benji, the co-author of YouTube Secrets, we go all the way back to 2010. I started, the first YouTube channel I started was in 2007 for my local church. Point being, um, I've seen people come and go. Yeah. And Steve Jobs said, business is a game of attrition. If you just don't give up and you keep standing, you might start today. You, it might feel small for a while, but some other people even, they might just say, I'm done. And so vacancies will open up in this. I've seen it happen time and time again. Interestingly enough, the creator economy has an interesting level of turnover, not because people, you know, they don't reinvent themselves. They burn out. There's other things. So all that to say is... I hope that was helpful. In terms no, that's of an extremely answer. helpful. I've been doing this for four years almost, and I'm like a baby on the scale of YouTube. But even then, I feel like a, a dinosaur at this point. Four years yeah. as a creator is a long time, but I, I think you're absolutely right. One of the challenges of this game is just lasting longer than everyone else. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's an interesting journey. Well, okay, so speaking of, let's. I never got to ask you about the income sources and okay. how sort of income you've broken everything down. That'll be and, a good uh, level three question to dive into. Yeah, from a creator's perspective, I think people would love to know yes. uh, how much people could expect to make from however many income streams. Yeah. It's the humidity too. You see it; it goes up when you do that. The, yeah. the little dial. Oh, it's only like 120 in here. No, actually, that's not accurate. Oh, okay. It's probably about 150, 160. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. We didn't do this. We'll probably turn this over. <laughs> Imagine if we said it that way on purpose, just to be encouraging. God, it's only 120. You got this. <laughs> it's only Vegas summer. Only an average day in Vegas in July. Oh man, I would love to ask Sean, what are some income streams that a creator can expect to make? You know, when I think about income streams, you first you should select, okay, am I doing education or entertainment? If you're doing entertainment, chances are you're going to be heavily dependent on AdSense, ad revenue, merch, um, merch potentially. Maybe you do Patreon because you kind of have a fan base. Brand deals is going to be a big one for you. And if you're doing lives and stuff, it could be kind of a channel memberships, super chat type of a, an angle. If you're doing education, which is, again, really where I encourage most people to go, because I think on the entertainment side, there is, it's kind of when music channels ask me, Hey, Sean, like, how do I become, you know, viral like Justin Bieber, you know? And it's like, well, I don't know, make songs and sing like Justin Bieber. Right. Like doing cover videos of popular songs is a tactic and a strategy, but to get signed by a label. And so it's, it's, there's a talent gap that you have to have self-awareness for. I would encourage people down that road, but self-awareness of talent and perseverance on the education side, I just think it's a lot more practical. I've seen people with, again, not the highest levels of charisma not the highest levels of talent, but that transfer knowledge and they build million dollar businesses all day, every day. Because on the education side, you have, I think, the opportunity to productize in things like online courses. The e-learning industry now has multiplied since the pandemic. It's going to be like a billion dollar an industry, a billion dollar a day industry by 2025. That's numbers even higher and that's just wild. You think about how much money is flowing into e-learning. And so that could be online courses, workshops, events, coaching, consulting. Um, just did a, a coaching call today with um, Dave from American Business Heroes. And he's helped all kinds of local businesses grow. He's He's got his channels under 100 subscribers right now. He's just getting started. But he's a subject matter expert. And he can come into a business for two days and uh, help them grow the revenue, fix their employee problems. So it's like that kind of idea. So when it comes to income streams, I could break them down in kind of what we do at Think Media if you're interested. But um, I think it's first picked entertainment or education, which is another way of saying, what's going to be my business model? What is my YouTube money plan that best fits my channel topic, my style, and even also what I create? Because mm -hmm. to also a lot of people put out online courses that are, are not great. 
one of the things to think through is, do I even want to teach? Like you're, you're positioning yourself as a teacher. Right. And I think you, you want to do anything. You want to do it ethically. You want to have something really valuable to say. So it's, it's a skill set that might come naturally. By the way, it comes naturally to teachers, ESL, learning, other, learning English, huge niches. Right. Uh, Gabby Wallace was just in Business Insider. We interviewed her back in the day. She's taken her profits, put it into Airbnb. She teaches English. And so that's a real practical way of earning some money. And so uh, it's yeah. interesting you say that because I exist in the education space. But because I'm not comfortable positioning myself as an educator or a teacher, because yeah. I, I just have a firm belief that no one in finance, no matter how smart you are, knows it can predict what's going to happen to the market. Yeah. So I sort of exist in this middle place where I'm an edutainer. Yeah, you're the hybrid. Sort of the hybrid between both. And I, I go out of my way to say, hey, I don't know what I'm talking about. I entertain and I try to understand this as much as anyone else. And I'm trying to break down complex ideas and explain it to you like I'm five because mentally I'm five. That's yeah. sort of my proposition. And I try not to position myself as an educator because I don't think I am. And I can't I can't give you the value where I can predict where you'll make money because well, I don't think that's the thing that exists. And self-awareness is a superpower. I mean, you are a great example. Like when I look at you, it's just seeing somebody that's comfortable in their own skin and has taken, I think this is the key. You've taken it, you've, you've married magic and personal finance. Right. But that's also like, that was just pulling the ingredients from your life together and making a cocktail that you're serving on YouTube. That's that's the opportunity for everyone listening to this is to think about that's the dream is, OK, do you have a background teaching? Would you want to do that? You want to pick a business model that fits what you feel good about in your heart, how you feel like you can best serve. Um, and when you get into alignment, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. A alignment of like, so that you, when you see a whole person that is integrity, integer, that's like a whole person that's aligned with um, who they are, what they stand for. And so I yeah. see that in you. I that's think awesome. that self-awareness is such a key because it feels like you both are so aligned on that. I remember back when Andre, you first started your channel in 2019. Yeah. It was your first video, I believe, where you were talking about marrying these different passions, the <laughs> yeah. passion for finance, magic, cinematography, putting yeah. them all together. So it feels very aligned with yeah. what Sean's saying. It's fascinating because I feel like Sean is the only person I've ever talked to that explains this the same way that I explain it to people from an ingredients perspective. And I say that throughout our whole lives, we collect ingredients and things we look for and things we're good at, things we're passionate about. You know, for me, it was cinematography and magic and storytelling and finance. But but it, they didn't make sense to combine in any way, shape or form, or at least there wasn't an opportunity out there in the market. So I had to create one for myself. And so the older I got, I found my recipe. And that's when I threw the ingredients together and it made sense and it sort of clicked. But yeah, if you think about it from the terms or the perspective of just collecting these ingredients, if there's a way to combine it in a way that makes sense. You don't have to position yourself as some sort of uh, you know, edu educational leader or anything. You can just share stories and have people come on your journey. So I don't even think that the proficiency aspect or being an expert at something, even in the field of education, is a necessary component. Uh, it could just be, like you said, self-awareness and saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying. And if you, if you find this exciting, I will give as much value and transparency as possible. And that's and then because of that, you've experienced exponential growth. And I think on YouTube, to me, what's fascinating is this exponential growth curve, because it seems like the human brain is not wired to really understand exponential curves very well. And it's pretty incredible to think of where you can begin on YouTube and the way that that growth trajectory can go. So I'm curious from Sean, in October 2015, you went full-time on YouTube, you were at 16,000 subscribers. So from that point until now, I know in 2019, you hit $1.2 million in top line revenue. So what was that journey like and where is the business at now if you're comfortable talking about it from a financial perspective? Yeah, I mean, the journey is, has been wild. Again, I'm a small town kid, college dropout. Um, and growing up in Arlington, Washington, Really, if I, I thought if I earned six figures a year, like it would be like a, a finish line. Right. It would just be like, uh, you know, that'd be amazing. And as soon as, you know, my wife Sonia and I were able to go to Chipotle and not he hesitate when they asked if we wanted to add guacamole right. for $2.78. And I was like, two scoops, man. <laughs> like lay it on there. That's when you know you made that's, it. That's when I knew we made it. Like, and that was, and then, I mean, 
I, I was also like, there's not much else we want than that. And, you know, we are living an incredibly blessed life. But I think even the way we're wired is like, I, I drive a used Explorer from 2016. You right. know, that thing's been paid off and it is a turbocharged Ford Explorer Sport. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty sick. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, today, I think we're on our, our way this year. I was just talking to our CPA, Matt. I think we're on our way to about 7 million uh, top line wow. uh, this year. And that's just a little bit higher than last year. And, you know, net profit was something like two something million. So pretty, pretty good overall in the business. And so it's been insane. Um, What's your biggest revenue uh, source? What's the number one? Is it affiliate? You know, biggest revenue source is online courses for sure. Okay. And uh, the pie chart though breaks down. I mean, we brand deals is pretty significant about a mil to 1.5. Affiliates is half a mil um, or more. Ad revenue is about half a mil. Um, and then this year was also unique. Like we did grow a video live. It cost us nine hundred and seventeen thousand dollars to run that event. Worth it though. Uh, yeah, that's an to incredible it. event. So, so I mean, well, that's also when you, when you think about top line revenue too. You think about like that drives ticket sales. But there's a million dollars that was kind of like sure. a wash, and we ended with about one point three on that. So it's four hundred k positive, which is amazing. But um, yeah, and. You know, it breaks down to book sales is actually pretty amazing because we do a lot of units of YouTube secrets. I mean, through Amazon. Yeah. And it's self-published. So you get like seven, eight, eight fifty a unit on the physical book. Mm -hmm. If people sign up for a trial or uh, you get either five or ten dollars from Audible. What's the percentage breakdown? Seventy percent. Seventy percent for the creators. Got yeah. Seventy percent for the creators. And then same on the Kindle. So five bucks, but you get like three out of the five or so. How how hard do you push it on YouTube or is it just a, a link you leave? Um, well, we just released the second edition, so it's completely rewritten. So, so not very hard at all, but really hard over the last few months. Got it. And so, totally rebuilt, a lot of energy, rewrote chapters, rewrote the whole thing. And so, um, yeah, excuse me, book sales and and uh, course sales and events, you know. Um, but yeah, those are some of them. That's incredible. And then most of the expenses, I'm guessing, is the uh, team. By far, yeah. So team is a big, exp yeah, we, we, no office space, home offices. Right now we rent Anderson Studios, which is Kyle's house in Las Vegas. He has like a dedicated maybe 800 square feet or 1,000 square feet. So we're we're pursuing some of that, especially even over the next couple of years, thinking about commercial space or, um, yeah, just kind of working through that. But pretty lean overhead. Um, we're also, digital advertising is big for us. Mm -hmm. You know, there's if there's different levers, the two biggest levers that, is unique i think to think versus some of our uh peers is the team factor and the digital advertising factor meaning i probably spend 10 to 50 times more than some of my peers on team and probably 10 to 100 times more on or 50 times more on on uh, paid ads like we'll spend a million dollars a year on ads which is by the way makes people some people uncomfortable and you certainly get your fair amount of comments just because as soon as you start bothering right. someone in their feed which is a, a wiring that's like another self-awareness piece like are you willing to get your message out there and do that um and so some maybe don't do it because um that's not something they want to do and then i think most might do it because it's complex and figuring out how to do it successfully so i have a question about the team and a question about paid advertising yeah okay, let's dive into paid advertising first paid advertising have you found that ever since the apple ios 14 update it's a lot more difficult to track the ROI and whether it makes sense to do those ads. Yeah. And I think it, I think it, you know, a couple people, uh, I think Henry Ford said the person the like the business owner who stops spending money on advertising is like a man who tries to stop the clock to stop time. I butchered that quote, but maybe like we, but whatever it is. And so it's sort of like Russell Brunson, ClickFunnels guy, says like the person who's willing to spend the most to acquire a customer wins. And so it's sort of like iOS 14 messed a lot of people up. I just was talking to a friend who had actually like, he was trying to sell his business at the time. Mm -hmm. And it knocked down the evaluation of his entire business right at the wrong time because sense, yeah. the cost of acquisition got completely disrupted. Where we sit is I think I started with some of those quotes because it's a mentality my my a lot of my peers that are dependent only on paid traffic are really struggling mm. and that's that's actually kind of the example these these individuals did not really have organic content 
Um, again, on the flip side, there's some people who re- rely only on, on organic. I think for us, what's helpful is both. Right. And therefore, that is how we do advertising profitably. One, we've got a dedicated team member. That's helpful. Uh, you know, I hope that we're good at it in our messaging, and that's helpful. Um, but the fact that we can target or retarget, like, like for example, very tactically, I'm s- super excited about vertical video right now. In, in particular, Facebook Reels, which is just weird to say, but we sort of were focusing on TikTok, yes, uploading YouTube Shorts, but then we realized we're throwing these same videos on Facebook Reels. We've had 6 million views, 10 million views, 15 million views, 20 million views. I've never seen so much action in Facebook in my entire life. Like, And everyone thinks Facebook's dead, but the punchline is Facebook and Meta is is arguably still the best ad platform. I mean, it's messy, but you know, you have YouTube ads, TikTok ads, Google display, but so, so it's the commitment. And I think that's the skill set. That's a very modern switch, Swiss army knife kind of skill set of thinking we have organic content, vertical video, truly great content. But then if you can retarget millions of views, your cost on those retargeting ads is lower. So that was a long answer to your iOS 14. Um, we were not dependent on that, I think, because of doing both organic well and then paid being offset because of the organic. Mm. Right. And you said you question? have. A, oh, the second question was you said you have a dedicated team member yeah. who works on paid advertising. When you're thinking about building a team, because you invest so heavily in your team, yeah. what have you learned about? hiring since you started adding team members and what do you look for what does that process look like for you yeah i think the, the let's go macro i think first is just going a lot bigger in the mindset because i think people are afraid of hiring a team and absolutely you could like lose money in the short term but i just shared our top line numbers with you it's going pretty well gross you know literally we're spending six you know five million dollars a year on our business so yeah. it's like but then but then there's two million left over and of course you know, for some listeners like, oh, Sean makes two, two million. Well, technically that would be true. Sean, Sean and Sony did. But I mean, we leave money in the business, taxes, uh, you know, if we're not good with tax strategies, there's a million gone uh, or whatever. So all that to say is, but think about that when it's all said and done. I also think there's a vision of building a community because I care about team, culture, creating a place that people love to work. And, and that's self-awareness as well. I think for some, I heard, I heard someone say, stay small, keep it all. Right. Great. But it's, I, I actually love hopefully the community we're building, trying to create a place, you know, performance-based compensation. We're thinking about how are we doing private equity? We're thinking about all these things as there's amazing people helping us build Think. And I want to build that family, that team. And so it's part of the vision. Um, on top of that, when it goes to hiring, um, we really have five C's and, and my the best place we've found people is from our community because they're usually already bought in and already listening. So they're a VRA member as a video ranking Academy, or they're part of our podcast. Um, and the five C's are first character. And that should be basic. It's like, if I can't trust you, if you lie, then we are, we, there's no reason to go to step two. Uh, but also just you're, you're a good person. You have strong character. Second is chemistry. You might be amazing, but we just don't fit that. It's probably us. Probably not. It's, it's our fault probably. But like, if we don't want to go, on a road trip with you. We took our whole team to Disney this year, all their kids, spouses, everybody, you know, and it was like, that was a hundred K, which was one of the best investments. Like I think we've ever made and incredible. That's the kind of vision and culture we want to create. And we, um, uh, also though are trying to hire with like people we want to go to Disney with another self-awareness piece. That's not what every business owner or leader wants to do. So that'd be chemistry. Then it's competency. And I believe if you have great character, you vibe with us. I believe competency can be taught, but it's a question of can you do the job? Can you do the job well? If it's a leadership position, have you done the job successfully before? Because the biggest predictor of your future performance is that you've done it in the past. Then it is capacity, especially in a 2023 world, speed matters. So it's not just can you do the job, but you get it in YouTube. Can you do it fast? Like, yeah, I can, I can get you... Um, you know, one TikTok this week, one TikTok, like I'm trying to go TikTok daily. Like what do you, uh, TikTok a week? Like how long is this taking you? You got to edit, you know, like, so just this idea that the speed does matter. Of course you do need things take time, but all that to say is capacity. How much can you carry? I think we try, we try to have a pretty healthy culture. We've made changes trying to, our whole theme this year was at our, at your best. And 
I mean, I don't think we're amazing, but we, at one point, one of our team directors is like, why don't we get federal holidays off? I was like, great, federal holidays are off, you know, W2 employees. We were giving not just your two weeks off, but like extra flex days for Christmas. Christmas, it was all paid to go to Disneyland. You got paid to go to Disneyland and you got all your stuff paid mm-hmm. and all the travel, whatever. We're trying to create as much as we can a cool culture. Also, you're fired. No. Yeah. <laughs> and Elon so Musk style. Uh, Twitter. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And I think I think uh, for all of the employees that, you know, were given a bad like they go into Twitter and do nothing. That's not think media. It's like it's high standards. Rest and run kind of a thing. Capacity we want to build. And then finally, courage, which simply means um, are you willing to continue to grow, get uncomfortable, make bold moves? We are an advancing company. We are, you know, we're moving forward. And uh, uh, one thing you can be sure that's happening to think media has changed. By the way, one thing you could be sure that's happening in the creator economy, probably the wrong industry to be in if you're uncomfortable with having to move fast, pivot, or reinvent yourself. So anyways, those are kind of the five C's. And what's been helpful is I'll like throw those out when we're doing hiring and it, it's kind of a pre-filtering people will listen to me talk about those on a podcast and to some degree self-select and then we just go through an interview process group interviews try to write good job descriptions but by the way very difficult yeah like i mean hiring is is a, is a tough it's time consuming um you know heather torres uh on our team has been helpful with that she's your coo yeah, yeah. and learning a lot from um alex and layla uh Layla Hermosi in particular, yep. you know, she's kind of like bringing op stuff yeah, that other awesome. people. Absolutely. So we're trying to Amazing. like, you know, really learn from this. And then our team is adopted system. We used to not have an HR department. We have HR. And I mean, by the way, couple early, it was, there was no like five C's employee handbook. I don't even know if there's an employee handbook right now. You know, there wasn't any of that stuff early on. It was right. like. You had to innovate it all. Yeah. Well, well, it was also like, do you like Think Media? Yeah. Are you alive? Yeah. Are you available? <laughs> right. Great. You're hired. I mean, so early on. I, I think it's really there's so many different stages in business and I think we're going into year seven or eight so it's just different at seven or eight if you keep building than it is at year two that was like hey Ron can you help me film videos it right. wasn't like do you fit the five C's now chances right. are you kind of have people in your circle that you vibe with but yeah it's been part of the something's journey. not adding up though you're not sweating it doesn't make any sense I am sweating <laughs> you're like barely sweating I'm dying over here. And yeah. Your, your face is just you're starting to get moist right I'm now. I'm focused. I mean. I don't know what it is. You're dialed in. I feel challenged. I think, uh, I think it's the it's the Gatorade. It's it's keeping you hydrated. I don't know what it is. The tip of this is like really hot. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, it's crazy. Uh, There's a study where being a YouTuber, I think, is the number one sought after career by... Yeah, children. Uh, children, yeah, yeah, yeah. More than being an astronaut. Yeah, it, it's insane. But, you know, it, it sounds like a glamorous lifestyle, but I kind of want to go to level four and ask you, what are some of the downsides of huh. what it is you do? Huh. So let's That's go funny. to level four while you think about that. Well, I guess, I mean, especially because it's heating up, I, uh, that humidity really hits at first. It does, yeah. It does kind of dissipate. Yeah. It's that first 20 seconds or so. I feel like this could go dark really quick. And the disclaimer is like, I'm a very optimistic person. You are. You're one of the most optimistic and, people I've ever met. And, and I, I look at the bright side. But I think, you know, some leaders said um, good leaders uh face reality with unrelenting optimism. So I think facing reality is is not delusion. It's not ignoring the truth or it's not being Pollyanna. It's not just painting it. So yeah, and and I, and I, and I hate that I feel I have to hedge. I think one of the greatest skill sets I could learn is not hedging. Mm-hmm. It's much better on social media to not hedge. Just going all in on everything. Well, yeah, you just say something in absolutes because it's not that you mean it in absolutes, but it's what triggers people more. Right. Because if you hedge That's the seven true. ways, hey, but I want to speak to this audience. This and true. that you, you so, trigger more people hedging. You, yeah. And so my my hedge, though, is like I understand how privileged we are, Yeah. you know, and how amazing we get to work from home, you know, especially with the business we built, the kind of sure. freedom it gives us. Um, but it's tough. I think being a content creator is tough. I think building a business is brutal. Entrepreneurship is something to be really self-aware. I think a lot of people could discover the self-awareness of should you, are you really wired to be the number one guy with all the weight on your shoulders right? or a gal, or are you better joining a team? Right. Because 
So what are the downsides? I mean, right, for one, uh, I'll go with some some health challenges. I'm grateful to be in the sauna because I've, I have repetitive stress injury. I have some uh, chronic pain, almost like carpal tunnel, but it's not carpal tunnel. I've got nerve entrapment in my right hand from my mouse finger. I was grinding so intensely from really 19 to 32, mm-hmm. I damaged my body. Right Now the cool thing, is I am seeing that it's it's I really feel like it's not too late to turn around. I've I've had some incredible progress. Uh, was able to do this crazy treatment where I got 21 injections. They drilled six holes in my butt. <laughs> oh my gosh! Six holes in my tailbone and extracted my bone marrow and spun it into stem cells and injected it PRP. I'm doing physical wow. therapy. Wow. I'm getting better. And so, but I went so hard. Because it's a real grind. And yeah. it, and also I think so so it's physically taxing. It's also incredibly lonely. I think I have heard it said though, you know, if it's lonely at the top, it's because you did it wrong. As you grow, I think people rally around you, but ain't nobody rooting you on when right. like it's those early days. You have right. to motivate yourself, get up. You're not the underdog anymore. It's your job. Go yeah. go and do it. Um, I think that I think employee conflict or team member conflict or or partner if you have a collab you know people a collab channel or something like people are people and uh and so relationships can be painful uh there there can definitely be the criticism and um i think every content creator can relate my friend john acuff calls it haters mouth math specifically for amazon reviews on his books he says haters math is 99 positive comments plus one negative comment equals one negative comment right and so literally 99 people you know how many likes did the video get right the, the math tells you 70 70 97 percent of people like this video right and there's 286 comments that are like thank you so much this was so helpful but then someone drops a comment that actually kind of like is slightly accurate and gets under your skin in a very personal way and you just try to shake that off but next thing you know you're in the sauna and all you're thinking about <laughs> is that negative so You mentioned earlier, I don't know if we were created for these exponential growth curves. I don't think we were created for this much feedback. I agree. You know, like messages, positive and good. It's It's, overwhelming. It's like reading, uh, John Wooden's like, you should ignore the cheers from the crowd and the jeers from the crowd. 100%. But both can get to you. Right. And mess you up. So It's so insane. When I started YouTube, I used that positivity to feed me like no other. And now, even though I, I could have a 97% like to dislike ratio, it's that, like you said, that one negative comment that affects you. And that's because you're letting the positive affect you, so will the, the negative as well. So yeah. it's almost like you can't let the positive or the negative feed you or drive you in any way. So how do, how do you sort of deal with the criticism? Do you address it? Do you comment on it? Do I, do you... actually, I do actually, I do actually, let me just go blunt on, on because we're already level what level? We're level four. Level four. We got we're already level four. So, so someone brought up, and this was, I mean, they brought up, they go, number. they're like, I can't believe you. How can you not have any black people on your team? Okay. And on a Facebook comment, and then they were like, they went on and on. And so the energy of it was wrong. I mean, it just, it was like, okay, let's, you know, we could break this. But with empathy, that's where I try to go. And I also thought like, there's something powerful about publicly responding because other people are listening as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, number one, I, I was just like, hey, we actually have many people of color on our team. We have two black people. I didn't say that, but I just have many people of, of people of color on our team. Like we are, very, so that's kind of a person, you know, somewhat of a personal attack. Because number one, your team might even not be big enough. Right. Like, what if you have a team of one? Like, I'm sorry, I'm just stuck with the color that I'm the solo creator on, you know right, what I mean? Right. But all that to say was like, no, we are actually being thoughtful of that. And I actually respect the perspective. I'm like, we're being thoughtful of that. Two, I'm like, I'm not sure what where you're coming from the, with this, right. but I, I want you to know I still appreciate you and I hope that your holidays go well. Yeah. So it was, in some cases, it's important to respond, or at least to me, in some places it could be flat out toxic. It was probably a toxic comment. But I also try to have as much empathy as possible for just considering the circumstances that that individual it is. And what I've realized is actually that the majority of people are actually pretty reasonable and that those comments can become really powerful because it also is an opportunity to not be silent in the face of someone maybe questioning where you stand or questioning what you believe. It's an opportunity to actually address it. Other people read it. They see maybe the reasonable, they can make their own decision. And this also, I'm seeing this never more prevalent than on TikTok. TikTok 
is a dumpster fire. It is the most toxic platform. That and Twitter. <laughs> and, yeah. and what I love about it, though, is, again, we, had, we just had a TikTok hit 25 million views. Yeah. I still think it only got like 1,500 comments. And so I look at the shares. I look at the saves. I look at the likes. And then I look at the comments. It's a, such a small portion of people that are being vocal. And I actually... For some reason over there, I, I don't care. I find it entertaining. I go, I don't know where in TikTok land. Like these comments are hilarious. Like, right. and I don't take them super personal. So I think, I think empathy is huge. I think one thing that I'm actively pursuing right now that I don't have is a therapist. Yeah. I think that um, creators at multiple levels, but especially creators that go to higher levels should not neglect therapy. Kind of a hypocritical thing to say as, I mean, I actually have, there's been many seasons that we've invested in therapy, even marriage counseling. Um, and different things like that. But I'm noticing in a, in a season with the rising pressure that man, taking care of your mental health and being able to process some of these things. And I think as a leader, it's really good to process things with your team, share things with your team, but there's also things you probably just shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, do they need to even carry that? Right. And so having a place and so protect your mental health, you know, figure out what works for you. I know some people turn off the comments. I think some creators should mute certain words where you add certain words if someone's always critical of your teeth your hair you know things like that um because you got to guard that toxic energy yes but it's a it's definitely about being thoughtful and listen the one troll the one critic or the one person who's just really mean not trolling and just an absolutely awful mean person um leaving a comment uh just stop by in five minutes and left that for you you need to be in a place where you're healthy in your soul healthy as a leader, healthy as a content creator. In the long haul, you've been doing this four years. You want to be healthy at year six, year eight, year 10. You want to be at your best, not like beat up, scarred, kicked down, barely making it, yeah. so many wounds. But you thinking about times to be thoughtful about healing from a lot of that stuff. That's great advice. Yeah, Absolutely. that's great advice. Yes. Well, with that said, let's go to level five, Sean. Right. Here. You ready for level. level five heat? Please talk about anything you'd like on this one. Really? Yes. yes. We got one minute here. Time starts yes. now. Where can people find you? What are you up to? Okay, so I, we have a channel called Think Media. If, uh, I like the fragrance you chose. Yeah, it's citrus. Made me think of you. Man, if you go through, if you breathe through the nose, though, it kind of like burns. Oh, if you breathe on, like, if you just exhale on someone, just exhale on yourself. Blow on yourself. Oh. Hot. Yeah, it's bad. Think Media is the YouTube channel. Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel on social media. Remember that. Don't ever, don't ever forget it. Um, Check out their podcast as well, the Think Media podcast. Ooh, and the lives you're gonna do the, the meetups next year. I am excited. Yeah, meetup VegasInfluencers.com, really niche, janky website, but just for anybody that's in Las Vegas, that's where we yeah. first met, I think. And uh, it's just like an email capture for like an if we're doing our next meetup, and we certainly will. VegasInfluencers.com, and yeah. of course, Think Media on YouTube, your podcast channel, Think Media Podcast. Super excited! At least every Tuesday. Two a week lately. Where's each channel at in terms of subscribers? Think Media is at. 2. Think Media is at two point two million or so. Think Media podcast just hit seventy five thousand subscribers. Congratulations! And then and then I'm also I love I mean I love vertical video lately. So I mean wherever you're hanging out, we're trying to bring you content natively there. Whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Sean Cannell runs with the YouTube channel. Well, Sean Cannell, thank you so much thank for you, joining Sean us. Made it. It's amazing. Peace. Peace. Dylan, rescue us! us.